0: Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? Your turn. Now you're not proud of yourself about something. Go. I am not proud of myself
1: for all the men I slept with during my first marriage.
0: (laughs) Oh yours are good. Okay. <laughs> um I'm not proud of myself for yeah. Oh I cheated a lot in my using days. That's not not proud of myself about about that either. Yeah, that was bad.
1: Okay. I got one. Okay. I'm not proud of myself for allowing you girls to smoke weed in the house when you were 12 years old and
0: that was a quick clip from this week's episode with my mama andrea arlington we are sitting down today to take callers uh, questions to dive into topics um from you know parenting to addiction to all sorts of different things. It's always so fun when my mom comes. I feel like you guys really love the episodes when my mom comes on too. And on my way into work today, into the studio, I was reflecting on our relationship and our journey from, you know, the pretty wild days and all of the chaos to where we are at today. And it certainly has been a wild one. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but when I initially got sober, we had just heard that there would be no second season of Pretty Wild, and my mom was really devastated. My mom was like the total momager. She actually was my manager, um, despite the fact that she didn't really do much managing. (laughs) <laughs> um, but she was my manager. And so, when I went into treatment a couple of months in, she was kind of like her wheels were already spinning. Like, okay, so what are we going to do here? Like, how are we going to spin this and make this work? And I really wanted to make a conscious decision to step away from the entertainment industry and to really focus on my sobriety because I knew I pretty much knew that had I gone back out there, I would have died. I would have been back on drugs before I knew it and I would have I would have died um, and so you know, I I made that decision and she was having a really hard time respecting that. and it took me a while to figure out those boundaries, you guys, I'm not gonna lie. It was almost, well, over a year into my sobriety and I had, um, I had a book deal floating around and my husband, Evan, was actually kind of like, you know, um, Evan is like such a stoic and he does not, he doesn't give unsolicited advice. But he said something along the lines of, I would encourage you to look at your relationship with your mom in the way that you want it to be and what you think will really happen if she steps back on board as your manager my mom wanted like a 10% cut of everything and you know h- all of that nonsense and so you know we decided together Evan and I that it was probably a good idea I was pregnant at the time that if we wanted to have a good relationship with her for her to have a good relationship with us and our children that we need to part ways well my mom lost it. And when I say lost it, I don't mean just like a little, I mean like fucking lost it and pretty much made the last two months of my pregnancy a living hell, a living hell. Okay. And so you're like, how do you recover from that, Alexis? Like, how could you ever, you know, in such a sacred time of your life and she was just, you know, acting so selfishly, like, how do you heal from that? Well, I'll tell you what transpired. So, I had the baby. The Bling Ring movie had just come out and I was having paparazzi at my apartment all the time and I didn't feel safe anymore. So we decided to move in with my mom. And while everybody who's listening to this is probably like, no, like that's the worst idea ever because you have a new baby, you're super, you know, hormonal and having lots of emotions going on. And I was already dealing with postpartum depression. So we move in to my mom's house and the same stuff was happening. I started writing for Vice magazine. She wasn't happy about the things that I was writing in there. And she just had like issue after issue. And then one day Evan was downstairs and Evan stays out of all of this stuff. And he was just enjoying his coffee in the morning. It's kind of his ritual. No one bother him. He's not the type of person that wakes up really easily. He's the type of person that takes a really long time to wake up. And so he's having his morning coffee and my mom just comes in and lays it on him about how she she knows that he's the one that put me up to all of this. Putting up to, I guess, setting boundaries. I don't know. She wasn't happy. And she said these exact words. She said, I have a reputation to uphold. And Evan just said, as calm as day, he goes, do you know what your reputation is? And he just kind of like laid it all out. I was upstairs nursing the baby. I had no idea that any of this was going on. But for some reason, Evan, who is the total diplomat, got through to my mom. And she realized like, oh, my God. Not only have I been psycho for the last couple of months, I've been pretty much a terrible parent, like, for their entire lives. And so she stopped taking her antidepressants. She stopped smoking pot. She stopped drinking so much. She got herself into counseling. She went to school to become a coach. She became a life coach. She became a family recovery coach. And sure enough, of course, like our relationship started to change and it's just been a work in progress ever since, but it's gotten to a point now where it's so nice that we can laugh at ourselves, like that we can, you know, really um, just enjoy each other's company and, you know, come from a place of love and tolerance and like a genuine, like I actually like being around my mom now, which is huge. And so she's joining us today. Like I said, we're taking your calls. We do this every once in a while over here at Recovering From Reality where we do call in episodes. It's really great. I love communicating and with you guys and and offering advice and support. And so, yeah, this will be a great episode. And again, like, we're not your doctor. We're not professionals. We're just here. I mean, I guess we're kind of. I've got my drug and alcohol counselor certification and she's a life coach. But you know what I mean. We're just here to offer advice and support. And I hope you guys have major takeaways from this episode. So today we're sitting down with my mom, Andrea. Hi, guys. (laughs) And gals. I convinced my mom to do a podcast, you guys, to do her own podcast. I'm so excited. And what did you decide to name it? Reality Time. I told you that she should name it Not Proud of Myself, <laughs> which I was seriously considering for a while. And you should have done, but she declined. So now I'm going to do a segment of, of RFR that that will be called Not Proud of Myself. In every episode, I'm going to try to t- talk about moments where I'm not proud of myself because none of us are perfect. What's one of the moments, and don't get serious, where you, the, <laughs> you should see her face. Where you went? Oh my god, I'm so not proud of myself. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, uh, past pa- or past or present. Oh, okay. Okay, I know when
1: it was. It was. It was taking nudes of tests in the shower for for a Playboy uh, submission.
0: <laughs> that is <so laughs> on national good. television. That Help. is. That's good. That was good. Yeah. 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 It's great. Uh, let's see <laughs> moments that I'm not proud of myself. Not proud of myself for yelling at my kids this weekend, for sure. That this weekend was rough. Mommy was being tested on all levels. It was a lot. So not proud of myself. All right, your turn. What? Now you're not proud of yourself about something. Go. I am not proud of myself
1: for... All the men I slept with during my first marriage.
0: <laughs> oh, yours are good. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm not proud of myself for. Yeah, oh, I cheated a lot in my using days. That's not not proud of myself about about that either. Yeah, that was bad. Okay, I got one. Okay.
1: I'm not proud of myself for allowing you girls to smoke weed in the house when you were 12 years old.
0: Mm. Do you see how many good episodes you could have? And then you can go on these tirades about what makes that, you know what I mean? Like you can take a funny moment that you're, uh, you know, our moments of despair, our darkest moments can push us to do great things, right? Exactly. Um, Ooh, someone's calling. Okay. Hi, is this Kelly? Hi. Hi, um, Kelly Carlton. Hi. Yes. Hi. (laughs) You're on with... And by the way, I
2: um, got the CBD, so thank you.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you were one of the recipients. Cool. You're on with my mom and me. We're talking about moments in our lives where we're not proud of ourselves. Hi, Kelly. (laughs) Hi, how are you? I'm so happy I got through. Oh, um, so did you have a question for us or you just wanted to chat?
2: Yeah, I did. You know, I've heard you guys talk a lot. Um, I know, um, you talked about like when you were younger and growing up and you were able to, you know, you manifested pretty much the show pretty wild and you manifested, um, You know, even though you had also talked about you weren't exactly aligned with what was to come, Mm -hmm. but you manifested it, and so because you weren't aligned, you um, it kind of went all wrong. Yeah, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about. I've never tried to practice that myself. I kind of wanted to know how you went about that, and how do you, and then how do you consciously become aligned with what you're
0: trying to manifest. My mom's raising her raising fucking hand, hand right now, I'm Kelly. I'm like, dude, let me, let talk, me talk about this. <laughs> let me add let it. Let me address <laughs> Go this Go okay? ahead, Andrea. All right, great.
1: Get it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm I just want you to know that we live in an energetic universe. I'm sure you already know that, but um quantum physics yeah. is 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 really teaching us right now that our thoughts are energetic. And energy attracts like energy. So when you start to practice a mindset that includes not only your thoughts, but your emotions, getting worked up, getting engaged about a vision you have for yourself, you are combining the power of your intention, which is your thought, with the power of emotion, which is the energy. So you're creating this ebb and flow of energy around what you're trying to create. You are actually in a quantum universe. You are, I'm going to say something kind of crazy. You are the observer that is responsible for what the particle appears like because when you have a thought and you combine it with emotion, you are actually... You are actually impressing upon the waves of the universe and the quantum universe and you are creating movement of energy, of physical matter. And I know that's kind of Mm -hmm. hard to understand, but if you look at Joe Dispenza's work, he really breaks this down into scientific facts and you can understand how the law of attraction works. Your mind and your emotions are very powerful. Now, what I would advise anybody listening to this call is that you really want to be careful that you get clear. Like one of the things we said in our affirmation was that we not only were successful in the film industry. Well, some
0: background. Yeah, We because Kelly referenced this and now you're talking about it. We, before we got our show, every day we would get together and say this affirmation that led to how we landed the show. And it came down to the exact dollar amount that we said in the affirmation. So go ahead, Mom. So we the girls came to me and said, hey,
1: we know that you manifested like Playboy Centerfold, epic, co- you know, contracts around the world doing lingerie modeling. How the heck did you do that? Can you give us some help? We want to create an affirmation to work in the entertainment industry. So we wrote this two-page yeah. affirmation, which included um, the fact that, you know, we are going to be successful in front of the camera and that we would use our fame and fortune to help influence people in a positive way. Now, what we didn't get clear on was that it was going to be done in, in the way of grace. And so Alexis gets arrested um, and we become famous, blow blow up this, you know, a our, our fame and fortune through this incredible event, um, you know, that became the Bling Ring story. And um, it took, you know, 10 years now, it was 10 years ago that all that happened, but we finally are now manifesting the second part of that affirmation, which is to make a difference in the lives of our World and in people's hearts and minds and their their experience of life um, through our ability to have a voice.
0: So and, what I would say though, because we talk a lot about manifestation, you know, and I would argue that we were kind of the original manifestors before all these other people came online, and everyone's a manifestor now. <laughs> They're right. going to teach you how to manifest. Um, yeah, I've I, never attempted that, but that's part of my question is yeah. because I'm
2: I'm wanting to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, can kind of understand so I can.
0: So, what I think is that where we went wrong back then was that we said this every single day and we believed it. But emotionally, the emotion behind it, there was too much um, too much in Buddhism, we call it dukkha, the stuff that's left behind, all the things that we need to work through still that that negative stuff that was still going on. So we were manifesting without addressing the core issue in our family unit, which was trauma and addiction. And so we needed to work on that stuff first to get super clear on that. And then we would have had a different experience when, you know, we still could have manifested the show, but we would have had a very different experience. And so my mom talks about two parts, right? We manifested the show. And then 10 years later, now we're experiencing and reaping the rewards of that manifestation. It took 10 years to get here of we are giving back because that was a part of the end of, you know, that all of the work that we do reverberates out into the world in positive ways. And so... That is the experience now, and we definitely got thrown in it. Um, I, what I would encourage anybody who's interested in manifesting to do is to be working on becoming a conscious individual first. What are the things that are happening in my life that I am not liking and recognizing that I'm responsible for part of those things? If not, you know, I, I talk about people often yeah. ask me like, you know, um, you say you take responsibility. I don't take responsibility for the men that physically harmed me, but I take responsibility for the ways that I continue to hard myself afterwards as a result of that trauma, right? And so we need to be looking at all of these things, working on our subconscious mind, because in order to manifest in the ways that we want to, we have to be able to physically feel what it would feel like. Say you want to you want to wake up every day and feel joy, you want to feel peace, you want to be energized, you want to feel aligned, you want to feel conscious. In order to manifest that, you can say that all you want. But if you're not actually meditating and feeling what that would feel like to be joyous, just imagine what it would right. feel like to wake up with energy, to feel aligned, to be connected. So can I ask you what what is the biggest thing that you're wanting to manifest in your life right now? I think um, the biggest thing I'm
2: wanting to manifest in my life right now, personally, is I have been through much the last four years of my life. I lost my husband in 2015. Then uh, 2018, I suffered multiple strokes. Mm. And I have actually, you know, the doctors told me I'd never move my left side again. I proved them wrong when I could finally speak and I could finally you know, get my words out. I said, you don't know me. And I proved them wrong. Now I still have some, I had a blocked artery in my brain. So it affected my brain a lot. And I'm trying to, and now I'm left with a lot of anxiety and fear um, going forward and in certain situations. And I am just wanting to have peace back again. I guess I'm just kind of wanting to heal myself, heal my brain. Heal, you know, it's not, I don't want anything materialistic. I don't want anything,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, outrageous. Yeah. I'm just wanting to heal my brain. I'm wanting to get rid of that fear, get rid of the blocks that I'm still having Tell and just me. have
1: peace. Can I can I um, recommend a book to you that will really help you achieve all of the, the things that you just mentioned?
2: Yes, I would very much appreciate it.
1: Okay, it's called Becoming Supernatural, and it's by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And the stories that he tells about the people who use his protocols for creating what they want in their life, especially physical healing, the stories he tells mm-hmm. are incredibly impactful. And if they, if these people can do it using his protocols, so can you. I mm-hmm. mean, healing from brain cancer, healing from pancreatic cancer, healing from all sorts of uh, autoimmune disease, healing from cardiovascular disease. That man's work and his research is so solid,
0: yeah. and I
1: I highly recommend it.
0: And um, honestly, like w- the way that we, if we tried to explain his work, it wouldn't do it justice. I would definitely recommend that and um you know i just want to say i'm so sorry for for your loss and i'm i'm sorry that you've dealt with this but um trust me when i say that our our biggest you know challenges and hurdles in life are always here to teach us things and i really do believe that these experiences in your life whether you can feel this right now or not um are, are going to be a blessing in your life one day because you might be coming into your power right now. You might be realizing that there is something greater and that um, I am that something greater, that that something greater is not separate from me. And I do believe that so many people um, in, in our world are waking up to our power. And I think that Um. once you start doing this work, you're going to realize how powerful you really are and that you will be able to reverse any symptoms that you're still currently dealing with. And then as far as the fear and those emotions that you're dealing with, because I, I told you our thoughts are one thing, but our emotions are what really runs us. Our emotions are what is telling our body how to operate, Right. all of the emotions that you're feeling are natural, are normal. You had a lot of traumatic events happen. And so instead of maybe wanting to push those away, what I would say is allow them to be your teachers. And instead of asking um, why, how about saying, okay, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, fear. I'm here for you, sadness. I'm here for you, despair. I'm here for you. And I understand that right now we are feeling this and this feels really overwhelming. But instead of trying to push it away, I invite you to sit in it because there are messages there, I swear to you. And, um, you know, doing this work is not the easy work. It's so much easier just to numb out, pretend this isn't happening, check out and, um, you know, And I'm not saying that you're doing this. I just am saying from my experience, but be in the victim, you know, of like, this is just the way that it is. I was traumatized my whole life. And now I have severe anxiety and I have crippling fear about going out. I also... Ha- so I had a pulmonary embolism. And for months after that happened, I was constantly in fear that I was going to have another one, that I was going to die, that my right. lung... You know, I had all of those fears. And I really do feel like if I had kept going down that path, that would have been... I would have had another one, you know? And what I realized right. was all of the health stuff that I was experiencing was undealt with psychodrama that I had because my whole life, my mom and my dad referred to me as a hypochondriac. I was always told that I was over-exaggerating, that my pain wasn't real, but my pain was real. It was deep emotional pain from not having um, a stable household. And so these cries for help eventually manifested into real cries for help. I was dying, you know, in the hospital with three clots in my right lung. And this was literally, Me going, listen. My pain is real. I do. I wholeheartedly believe that. That I needed that experience to teach me you know, that I don't need to always feel sad or bad or tired or exhausted in order to get my needs met by other people. That I can just say, you know what, today I'm having a sad day. And thankfully, now I have a partner in my life who understands who goes, okay, what do you need to deal with this sad day? You know, So, oh, my gosh, there's so much work here. And stay in contact with me. DM me. I'm in my DMs all the time, Kelly. So if you have more questions, um, message me, and I'd be happy, um, you know, if you didn't get the name of that book. it's Again, it's Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza, but I have so many other books (laughs) that I would be happy to recommend for you. So just DM me, and we will talk further, and Yeah.
2: Uh, thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Oh, Thank you for calling, Kelly. And yeah. I can't wait to talk to you further. Your thoughts. I mean, I'm, my thoughts will hold you in, yeah. in the highest yeah. light. Thank you. So Have much. a good day, Have Kelly. To, all right. Bye-bye. Bye. I think that it is something to to be aware of when, um, you know, everybody is moving into this space of wellness and some people are giving really bad advice and and we were, you know, people who really thought we were so aligned and then realized later on that we really, really weren't. And waking up to that reality is brutal. And it was for you, you know, just a couple of years ago that you were still living in that and me a few years before that. And it's just like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I
1: just, I didn't think there was anything wrong with letting you girls smoke weed when you were 12 years old, because I thought that uh, I was being the cool mom and everybody, um, everybody smoked weed at some point And why not um, let you girls experiment at yeah. home and so on and so forth? And well, Let's I, I talk
0: th- about that for a second, because... Um, I don't believe that inherently like plant medicine is bad. I think that it's something that most people should probably go and experience in their lifetime. I just think that for a child, you are you don't know how to handle that experience. And not
1: to mention the fact that I didn't realize that our brains at that, that age are not really going to, to sit well with the influence of... Um, constant using, I mean, it really does do more brain, um, I don't want to say damage, but it changes the brain. And I don't even know exactly in what ways at that age that that you have to be concerned with. But there's all sorts of research that says if you start using substances before the age of 18, Mm. you're much more likely to have problems with addiction later on. As a parent,
2: do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear? and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers, well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising
0: Good Humans. We have another caller. Hello? Hello. Hi, what is your name?
3: Hi, my name's Alexandra. Alexandra.
0: Hi, Alexandra. You're on with me and my mom, Andrea. Hi.
3: Hi. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm through. Hi,
0: ladies. (laughs) Hi. Um,
3: Hi. So I am um, super interested to know about um, your relationship. Um, I have struggled with my relationship with my own mother since I was, you know, 14 or 15 years old. Um, she was having an affair and she included me in on sort of the secret, um, of the affair and was telling me to lie to my father and doing all sorts of just psychologically traumatic things to me, um, to make me kind of stay on her side throughout adolescence. And anyway, to to nobody's surprise, that gave me a a drinking and drug problem in my late teens, early twenties, and now flash forward, um. In my early 30s, I've got two kids, and I'm happily married. And um, I move I live like physically across the country from her. Um, but I'm interested to know. I know you guys have had your, you know, relationship struggles. And Alexis, you have kids. Um, the role of the of the grandmother um, in the children's lives when you're trying to maintain your healthy boundaries for the sake mm. of your own mother daughter relationship. I would love to hear your experience with, um, you know, how to kind of do that dance without destroying your own boundaries or without, you know, pushing and keeping, um, you know, grandma out of it too much to preserve your own, you know, I would love to hear you guys talk a little bit about that.
0: Well, first and foremost, um my props um, props to you for, you know, breaking the cycle because that is no easy feat. And I'm sorry to hear that she put you through that. That is really traumatic. Um, people often underplay emotional abuse, and um, I would argue that it's absolutely just as bad as physical or sexual violence. And so, um this has been a really messy path for both of us. Um navigating this has been really challenging and lots of um trial and error for sure. Um same thing with my dad too, setting those boundaries in my family you know, it was kind of when I got sober, I got married really fast. And then I had my first daughter I was pregnant three months after um, we got married, which is about a year after we started dating. So we got married after eight months, three months later, we were pregnant with Harper. And obviously, nine months later, she was born. Um, And my relationship with my mom was at a very rocky point. Um, And what I realized was, that I can't change her, um, but I can put firm boundaries in place. And those boundaries ultimately um, kind of, I don't want to say forced her into submission, but it, it showed her eventually that I'm not going to stay in this um, psychobabble drama triangle any longer because my boundaries were so firm. Um, so some of the boundaries that I have with not just my mom, but both of my parents have been things like, you know, times in which I feel comfortable for them to see the kids, um, things that they're allowed to discuss in front of the kids. Like, you know, we don't talk shit about each other or whatever in front. Yeah. Yeah, you used to be a bad shit talker. She's looking over at me like she's astonished. She used to be a big shit talker. Wait, uh, but I want to be I want to just ask you something. What?
1: I started on my my really deep work. I was I was working with a therapist and a recovery coach 18 hours a month for 3 years. I started doing
0: that when Harper was a, was a, a month old. So, yeah, but you still had issues in those three years and lots of stuff that came up that things. okay. so, for example, my mom had um, a man that she was engaged to at the house and I would let Harper go over there to watch her and he gave both of the girls or you gave both of the girls a bath at the house. Now I'm a sexual abuse survivor and that's something that I wasn't comfortable with. And so I had to set like a firm boundary. And I really, I remember you took kind of offense to that at the time because you were like, "Joel would never do anything to the kid. And it wasn't about Joel; It was about me and my own discomfort. So I'm going to encourage you to set those boundaries and even if they change even if it's something that comes up when you're there that you don't feel comfortable it's better to talk about it than to not now um as far as my mom's relationship and setting those boundaries I'd love to hear like how, what that experience was like for you, mom, because that's what catapulted you into starting to do the work. And now she is a very hands-on grandma and she's in the kid's life on a regular basis and things have gotten um, so much better. I mean, night and day.
1: Well, I had to learn that I had really distorted thinking as a mom. I left home when I was 14 and was navigating a lot of emotional trauma myself using substances and relationships to fulfill my voids, my emotional voids. And, you know, one thing that I have learned is that, well, in regards to like, I work with families and I help children with parents that are addicts. I help parents with children that are addicts. And one of the things that I really encourage these family members to do is, first of all, in order to be at peace yourself as a family member, it really helps a lot if you can look at, you know, why does somebody have an affair? Why does somebody use a substance? Why does somebody overshop? Why does somebody gamble? Why does somebody smoke cigarettes? Why You know, all these things. And it's always because it's a strategy to overcome something that's painful to them, a sense of unworthiness, a sense of shame, a sense of guilt, a sense of I need somebody or something to make me feel safe. And so when we can develop, because we all have our, our strategies. I mean, like my strategy went from controlling my husband's alcoholism and addictions to controlling my daughters. And then after my third husband left and my daughters weren't talking to me, I started doing dog rescue and had 17 dogs living at my Condo. I mean, it was insane. So I was still trying to fill those voids, and um, we start to we start to understand that we all have these strategies. And when we can start to see that it it was completely wrong of me the way I handled my my parenting. I didn't really have a better set of tools at that time, and I didn't realize there were people that could have helped me. But if you can if you can try to at least see that you know, her her strategy was to fill a void inside of herself that it, was, it turned out to be really painful for other people, but it wasn't intended to cause pain. And it just, it just did. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and, and
0: that's not to minimize your experience experience, but I think that the one of the biggest things that we've had to deal with and that I personally had to deal with was forgiveness. And it wasn't really until this last year and a half that I finally forgave my mom for all of the past stuff that had transpired because I felt like forgiving meant that I was relinquishing my power. And I felt that if I could hold on to the resentment then I was more powerful than she was. And so forgiveness right, when
3: in reality forgiveness is setting yourself free and setting the other person free
0: exactly exactly and, yeah. and not even necessarily setting the other person free because they your mom probably still has a lot of the same demons because she hasn't you know hasn't done this work yet from what I'm understanding so forgiveness is something that that we give to set ourselves free and then that in combination with boundaries allows us to have relationships with people who are still sick and your relationship with your mom doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to have those that same kind of relationship with your children like my mom has really taken this opportunity um, of being a grandma as kind of a second opportunity to be like a better parent than she was with the kids right Yeah, very much so. And I wanted to say something about forgiveness.
1: Brene Brown talks about one of the most challenging things about forgiveness is that we have to be willing to let something inside of us die Mm -hmm. in order to forgive. And she gives the example of a marriage. She says that this couple was um, getting some counseling from a, a, a pastor at her church, and the woman just couldn't forgive her husband, and he couldn't forgive himself. And, um and what had to die was that their desire their fantasy of what their marriage their original marriage should have looked like had to die in order for a new marriage to be born and so we get to look at and grieve you know what is it that I have to let go of that has to that has to die completely so that I can, move on. And and that doesn't mean move away from the relationship necessarily, but to create a new relationship. And the boundary part of this is we don't set boundaries to control other people. Mm-hmm. We set boundaries to for our own level of comfort. So if you're setting boundaries to control other people, you're actually being manipulative and you're not actually you're trying to control another person. That is not a healthy boundary. Yeah. Healthy boundaries are strictly for the sake of protecting your own emotions and not to control somebody else's behavior exactly exactly. Um, so oh one more thing. Alexis had me read a couple of books on mm-hmm. um early childhood parenting and it really ava- it really made it available for us to have conversations about when i read those books i mean like i choked up because i was like oh my god i violated these principles in this way in that way in many ways, and then I could have a conversation with Alexis about it. And I it. went at
0: it from this: "Is like, hey, you guys are a part of." I didn't say, "Here's some books, read it." I said, "And hey, then feel you bad
1: because go- <laughs> <laughs> you screwed up
0: so bad." Mom I said, "Here's here's kind of how I'm choosing to raise my kids. What do you guys think about reading this? So that way we can all do this together for the sake of the children." It you was, know what I mean? It was really <laughs> sly. It was really sly. <laughs> What are some of the things that you would feel comfortable with, you know, regarding your mom, like as far as holidays say, like what what are some of the the things that you are feeling like um, you're willing to implement as far as her relationship with your kids?
3: Well, it's kind of tough because um, unfortunately the the location, like the, the physical separation between my family and her is so um, so great. And it takes such an effort for her to come visit or for us to come to go visit her. So it actually fits perfectly into a codependent situation where, um, which is what I, I believe her to be, um, have codependent, uh, tendencies for sure. Um, it's the type of thing where if I give her like an inch, she just takes and like sort of sucks my soul right out of my body. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not to not to be dramatic about it, but seriously, like it's I have to be careful with how with how much I give her because it'll be like literally like if I send a couple of photos of, you know, my girls one day um, with like this is what they were doing after school, just thinking of you or something like that. She will like for the next week be calling me, texting me like from the moment I wake up in the morning. until oh, the, this is my the This is my dad trying to like insert herself into Mm. anything like it's so desperate and it's so sad and it's so and it's not like I'm not giving her something to chew on you know what I mean like I'm not like depriving her of her grandkids or like my life or anything like I give her a little something and then if I don't like I work also by the way and when I was in a meeting last week and she called me once and I screened it. She called me again. I screened it and I was so paying attention what was happening in my meeting. I didn't have a minute to text her and say hey let me call you back. I'm in a meeting. I just like ignored it for literally it was like 10 minutes guys.
0: This and is literally my she dad. Called
3: she called my husband and she was like is she okay? Like she's not hmm. picking up the phone and he's like what the hell?
0: Like, yeah.
3: I don't know. You know. I think yeah. she's at the office and I was just like okay this is my opportunity to set a boundary right now. And I was like, I am 32 years old. I am a mother. I am a wife. I am on the board of my kids preschool. I I I've so many responsibilities. If I don't pick up the phone for 10 minutes, please give me the benefit of the doubt that I'm not like in a ditch, you know, like, can, can I have a minute? You know, I don't want you like down my throat. And, And then I can also like pull back. And this makes me have to pull back because I realize, like, I'm indulging her
0: too much. and So when when we set boundaries, one thing that I would always encourage is um, to focus on, like, a positive thing or, like, what you're willing to do rather than what you don't want because shame is a really... It's, it's crippling and it actually makes people who are still sick want to keep sucking the life out of you. Because um, especially, it sounds like she's exactly like my dad, God bless him, um, who is very, has the worst anxiety ever and who is a total martyr. And I love him very much, but he's like such, a, yeah, that mindset, it drives me nuts. Um, so one of the things that I say what is, Hey, I would love to um, FaceTime with you once a week. I'm available from 9 to 9.30 on Sunday mornings. What do you think about setting up a regular thing? Other than that, my weeks are so busy and I'm not available. But I'd love for you to see the kids and for us to talk during that time. And that's the only time that I'm going to be able to pick up my phone.
3: a great idea.
0: That way she feels...
3: I don't want to shame her. Like, she's mm-hmm. had such a rough 15 years, and even before that, like, her childhood was messy, yeah. and, like, she was abandoned by her father, and all mm-hmm. these things, and she's, like, she's so fear-driven and shame-driven, and, like, she's, like, this, this, like, aging dog in, you know, in a shelter that, like, nobody wants, and I'm, like, I go and visit her and give her love, and then, like, the dog won't leave me, and I'm, like, <laughs> well, can somebody else give this dog some love? Because I have, like, so many things pulling me in another direction right now and so i don't want to make her feel those feelings and that's like that's really astute of you to, to recognize that she is feeling shame i never think of that i think of like she needs to learn well you know, i have a suggestion I need to set these boundaries.
1: I have a suggestion uh, cuz I had to work through a lot of shame myself. Um but and we all do actually. But uh, Brené Brown has a book called The Gifts of Imperfection and you know I would just encourage first you to possibly consider reading it or listening to it on Audible. Um, And then offering it to your mom as a book that you would highly recommend because it was a game changer for your own experience and that you would love to have a conversation with her about it. It's a way of her to feel inspired, like, oh, God, if I do this, then I can connect with her on a a level. This
0: is positive reinforcement, right? Like the same thing with the book for the kids. This is the way that I want to parent my kids. I want to break the cycle that's been happening in our family for generations. What do you think about reading this book and getting empowered to do this with me. You know what I mean? And then that allows her to go, oh my God, I was such a, you know, I was wrong in this way, and this way, and this way, and then she's starting to wake up a little bit. Same thing with the Brene Brown books. Wow, I read this book on shame, and it's really changed my life. And I really see the way that it's. Da, 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 da. What do you think about reading this? I want to share this with you. I want to talk about this with with you. And then she feels motivated and empowered to start taking um, advantage or taking charge of her life and connecting with you as and a connecting result of it. With you. Now, yeah.
1: I also have another suggestion. If you want, you. Can Direct message me at Andrea Arlington on Instagram, and I will um, let you know. I'm actually going to be teaching an online class uh, on the book of the Gifts of Imperfection because I'm a I'm becoming a Brene Brown, um, daring way facilitator, and I'm offering this um, this class coming up here in November. Um, it might be something that your mom might really get a lot out of. There's right now there's about five women that are signed up for it, and it's going to be an amazing um, class. So I'd be happy yeah. to share that information with you.
0: I think that um, Thank you. I think sure. moving. I think for everybody to hear that by you know by instead of saying no's, giving yeses, you know, you will be surprised and not just with your mom, but with your kids and your husband and your coworkers and everybody in your life. When you come from a place of, yes, this is what I want. What do you think about this? Rather than no, 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 I don't like this. I don't like that. You will be surprised at the way that things just start turning around in your life in major ways
3: that's so interesting. Cause I was just this morning listening to your episode on sex and intimacy. Um, and she, and I forgot her name, who you had on, but she was saying that I know there's a yes in there. And I was like about one of your friends that was having trouble with her husband yes. or, you know, and their, their situation. And she's like, I know there's a yes in there. And I was like, wow, I'm going to put that in my pocket today and think about there's a yes in there. so interesting to hear you talk about the power of yes.
0: And that's the boundary. What am I willing to do in this relationship? What am I willing to have? How do I want this relationship to work for me? And sometimes it changes. Okay, so that time at 9.30 to 9 to 9.30 on Sunday didn't actually feel good to me. I was exhausted and I had to get the kids to church by 11 and it just didn't work. What do you think about switching to this? So, you know what I mean? It's motivating people to do, and I'm not perfect at this and I could be, you know, we're all just learning. But what I'm finding is that when I'm in that yes space, I'm getting way farther with people than when I'm in the no space. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: That was amazing. Thank you, ladies. That oh. is so, so awful. And I have to mention, Alexis, you are absolutely incredible. When I was still using, I remember listening or watching something or following you on some social media and being like, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm. And then I just kind of, I mean, you're younger than me, but I just felt like I was kind of following in your footsteps a little bit. And it has just been so incredible to watch you blossom into this person with such wisdom and love and patience and it's it's such a joy it's such a joy to watch so thank you
0: well and I'm so proud of you for taking this step too because it it is it you're changing the future of generations by doing this work so, yeah. and that is not an easy thing. So, I'm so proud of you for doing this too, because your daughters are going to reap the benefit tenfold by the work that you've done and you know, by, by being their mother and by being present and by doing this work. So good for you. I'm so happy for you too. And thank you so much for calling in today. And, um, so many people are going to learn so much from, from your experience, just what you shared here today. So thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Thank you ladies. Have a good day. You too. A great call, and it segues into an Instagram. I, I made an announcement that you were coming on, and someone goes, I can't call during that time, but um, I had a woman who is about 28 and her mom is still in active addiction, mm-hmm. and she wanted to know what she could do to help her mom. And um, they've tried, you know, other methods of, um, you know, a typical intervention style. You know, everybody reads the letters. We're so scared and okay. yada yada, and so you know, right? Um, wh- what are what what are the next steps? And it's so hard too because when you grow up as an adult child of an alcoholic, you've been forced to be the adult for so long, mm-hmm. and so I think so many people are like, I just, I'm done. I'm done being the adult. I'm right. done being the parent. Right.
1: Yeah. So I guess it really depends on what she wants, you know, for herself. It was like we were just talking with the last caller, you know, what are the boundaries that she needs to set in order for herself to feel good? But if she does really want to be her mom's best chance for choosing recovery, the way to do that to be her best chance is to learn how to create uh, an emotionally healthy connection with her mom. Because connection is the greatest tool we have to help our loved ones get motivated or inspired to make a change. If we don't have, if they don't feel safe with us emotionally, if we've been shaming them, blaming them, guilting them, et cetera, et cetera, they don't feel safe. Their heart has been bruised, not to say that yours hasn't, because it has obviously, but our goal is to get connected and then to be able to influence them to move toward recovery. Now we can talk about what bruised our hearts, um, after they're well into their recovery and finding their joy again, it's not like we're shoving it under the carpet. But the biggest tools that we have to do to create connection um, are nonviolent communication skills, learning positive scripts to communicate our needs and to speak to our loved ones who are still struggling in a way that lets them have the opportunity to see the facts that we're seeing. Without our labeling what those, what that looks like, like for instance, we could say instead of like if your mom came to your house and she fell down uh, over the coffee table and broke your favorite mug because she was under the influence, you wouldn't say I can't believe you came over here. You've been doing you've been ruining my life for so many years, and you just fell over the table and broke my favorite vase. No, we would say. When she's in, when she's a little bit less under the influence, it might not be that time. But we would say, Mom, the other day when you came over, I saw you weaving across the floor and you, you fell over the coffee table and you broke my favorite face and you, you didn't even recognize that you had done that. And I'm really concerned about you. What do you think needs to happen now? Instead of all the labeling, all the emotion, like process that emotional stuff with your therapist, with your life coach, with somebody who understands, um, but do not be punitive and shoot venom through their um, veins, you know, using, you know, the way you stare at them or the labeling, the, you're an addict, you're this, you're that, because that drives them further into um, wanting to self-medicate um, and escape from their emotional pain, which is exacerbated by the length of time that they've been using and all the trauma that they've created mm-hmm. for themselves and other people. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that that's great advice. And um, it's so hard to be mindful of like, when we feel elevated and our anger and our emotions to go, pause, stop, take a breath, you know, and step back. And saying, putting up boundaries and saying, I'm not okay with you being intoxicated like that around me. You know, and, and, and that's, and and that's OK. You know, maybe she's not allowed at your house. You know what I mean? After, it's setting a boundary then after you say all of that, what you said and saying, you know, I'm not comfortable with you being intoxicated at my house, so I'm not going to be able to have you over. Right. Um, Under the influence. Right. And the other thing
1: is um, I offer an online program on Tuesday nights on the Zoom platform for anybody who's interested. If you go to my website, Families United for Recovery, you can sign up the links on that site, or it's also in my Instagram um, in the, um, what's that area called up at the top stories no
0: no link
1: yeah it's the link is in, in my bio. bio hello
0: <laughs> I love you <laughs> I'm
1: technologically challenged
0: okay well I think that's it thanks for coming in that was great oh where can people find you oh um you think it went you think it went by fast it's been an hour
1: it does feel like it went by fast. <laughs> um so um you can go to my website families united for recovery um and there's contact information there. Also, um um starting that podcast uh, recovery time. So that will probably start maybe in the end of November um being available. But um and I'm you can also direct message me on Instagram, Andrea Arlington. Thank you.
0: Perfect. Until next time, guys. This week's affirmation is Forgiveness is a gift that I choose to give to myself. I let go of resentment and embrace peace. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality. Or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com.